0: Friends, welcome back to another of the nation's weekly podcasts where we feel like it's our our duty, our honor, our privilege to get to try and find people that we think are fascinating, we think are inspiring, who have not only interesting things to say, but incredible stories to tell about what God's done in their lives and what they've seen God do In the world, and this week is no exception. Sitting with us is quite possibly one of the more interesting human beings that I have had the pleasure of meeting. Her name is Wendy Henman. Hi, Wendy.
1: Hi, Joseph. Hi, Joel. Hi, welcome. (laughs) I was just
2: going to say, good thing we have we know great people. We have great friends. I know it's like a friends podcast thus far.
0: Thus far, it it has been, and we have a
2: great friend on today,
0: dude. We do have a great friend. Uh, Wendy is many, many things. She is, uh, well, she's also got a very fascinating husband named John, um, Mm -hmm. who rides the train every morning up into Compton to go teach at a public school, which is cool. But that's all we're going to say about John because this podcast is about Wendy. That's right. Um, although I guess it's also about John too, because, uh, it's about your guys' life that you shared together. Yes. Um, So Wendy does a lot of things very well. She's a gifted writer. She actually wrote the cover story for uh, Volume 7 of Nations Media with Dr. Brian Fisher, probably one of the more challenging assignments that I've given anybody, and I think I apologized to her on more than one occasion (laughs) uh, and thanked her for her tenacity. But she is also probably one of our favorite uh, Bible teachers that we've ever heard,
2: preachers. runs Carlsbad Magazine. Uh Uh-huh. She is a senior (laughs) writer over at Carlsbad Magazine. we here in carlsbad have the best magazine everyone has their little city magazines but i'm telling you carlsbad reigns supreme and we have wendy to thank we do watch out world that's right
0: um (laughs) yeah she's also an accomplished i mean everything she teaches kids around like kids and adults around the world how to play and how to discover god through play Mm -hmm. um and she also climbs every mountain
2: um i feel like wendy wendy is the one where she'll we'll be on the podcast today Uh and we'll see her instagram tomorrow and she'll be like in wyoming yep and i'm always like how do you she (laughs) like time travels
0: yeah infuriating um as an editor (laughs) to have as a writer infuriating because she's like too busy out there living life and having fun adventures to like write us a story which is fine which is is fine it's good for me to have that you know like deer that I'm always chasing. Uh, so anyways, uh, we're just so grateful that you are joining us for the podcast to talk about um, a number of things, but...
2: We've got a, a wild topic.
0: You guys ready to learn about cults?
2: Yeah. Buzzword.
0: Buzzword. Yes. Um, yeah. Before we dive into that, Wendy, um, yeah. Could you just share, like, hey, where are you from originally? Um, were you born into a family of faith or anything like that?
1: So originally, no. No. My uh, father was an atheist. My mom was an agnostic. Okay. And there were five kids in the family. And I always, I always say that my, my father was a bad atheist because okay. he took us to Yosemite oh. and just seeing Yosemite. Yeah. Because he was also a, a landscape architect. And he, and he would say that, that no one could design a garden like nature And so there, you know, when you go up the 41 and you come out the tunnel and there's Uh, Yosemite Valley, it's Uh. like, I understand glaciers and volcanoes and, you know, uplift and all that. But it is designed Mm. and it was designed by somebody. And I didn't know Mm. what that meant, you know, in my eight-year-old brain. Mm. And I didn't know that what I was feeling was worship. Mm. But that was kind of the beginning.
0: Wow. So eight years old, you encounter Yosemite, and that like sparks or awakens um, like a spiritual awareness yeah. know, in lots of different yeah. ways. Okay. So from there, you're growing up in uh, with a bad atheist and... It, yes.
1: And in a, in the, in a in small ag- surf town okay. on the coast of California, Carlsbad. Yes. And grew up here, but so different than it is right now. How yeah. so? Um, if you go to the Carlsbad flower fields, uh-huh. okay, you know, it's this... I forget how many acres it is right now, mm. but it's a patch. Yeah, imagine those flowers going all the way to the 101. Wow! And all the way to the border of Carlsbad. And then on the other side was Paul Point poinsettias. Oh yeah! And then if you turn north, it was uh, Briggs poinsettias.
2: What schools did you go to in the community here? Uh,
1: it wasn't poinsettias. Sorry, it was Bird of Paradise. Very important. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So Magnolia, I went to yeah, Magnolia. that's where my kids went yeah, when it was okay. a brand new school. And then I, I was a Valley Viking. Yeah, and then then I am a loyal Carlsbad Lancer.
2: Yes, go Lancers!
1: My kids <laughs> yeah. same
2: trajectory, and Liam now is playing baseball for the Lancers.
1: Oh, Pretty special! Nice. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah.
2: I love the. I just love. Um, I always wanted to be a part of a community that has. Um, such a beautiful history where the people are still a part of the community Mm -hmm. and, um, invested in the community and Carlsbad seems to have that. And you're like (laughs) everybody who I meet kind of along the journey, like, um, you know, my favorite restaurant in town is Lola's and Lola's is like this mission of, of Carlsbad. Mm -hmm. It feeds all the kids and they've been, you know, they, they're, they're just, um, they're spiritual leaders in our community. They're just yeah. It's just yeah. awesome. And, uh, and I know you have a long relationship with everyone there. And so I just, yeah, yeah I, I, love, um, I love your love for the community. And I'm jealous that yeah, you, yeah. you uh, have been a part of it yeah. for your entire life.
1: Well, it's kind of, kind of a challenge right now because, you know, Ofi Escobedo mm-hmm. passed away from mm-hmm. Lola's and Francis passed a while ago. Connie's the last one. And she was going to be in Lola's for their 80th anniversary of the business. Yeah. So I went, you know, and sat and talked to Connie. But then someone else came up to greet her, and Henry Trejo yeah, came up to me, and he said, we are the elders now. Yeah. And there was a sense of duty and obligation yeah, yeah. with that, mm. that, you know, this genera- that generation is passing, and now we are the elders, and mm. what are we going to do? Yeah.
0: Well, isn't it part of the role of the elders is to help us young pups— um, discern what wisdom is, and to avoid the traps and the pitfalls of the world around us. So, I'm hoping that you can do some of that for us today, Elder Wendy. Although yeah. you don't live or look like an elder, uh,
2: <laughs> she is. She's yeah. She's. I don't think I can keep up with her on the in the back country. So you meet. <laughs> so f- take us quick briefly from. Eight-year-old
0: Wendy, like any other notable things that kind of shaped or formed you in your, you mm-hmm. know, early adolescent years, young adulthood, sort of thing, and then yeah. how you end up meeting John.
1: Okay. Well, so uh, Carlsbad at the time had a program called MGM. Okay. Well, so in first grade, uh, my first grade teacher told my parents that I was retarded and I should be institutionalized. No way. Because um, I found they found i you know, they found out I was dyslexic, and. But there was no, like, remedial, no special classes for that. Mm-hmm. So I just, you know, stayed in. I had a brilliant teacher in fourth grade, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. McIntyre, a former Disney animator. And uh, in his class, I was pulled out with these other kids, and we were given these tests, and I, we didn't know that they were IQ tests. Mm-hmm. And so kids that had a certain IQ were put in MGM, it meant mentally gifted minors. By the time we got to middle school... We were supposed to do these research projects. Like one guy was, he was making a telescope, researching how to make a telescope. He was grinding the lenses. Uh, another guy was doing Mozart's theory on theory. and But it was a hippie era, you know, it was the 70s. And so it was really popular to be a seeker. Mm. So that's what I would say. I was a, I, I'm a seeker. Mm. Because I couldn't deny that there was a God mm. or a truth, but I didn't know what it was. So... I'm going to seek it. So when I was in seventh grade, I started studying all the religions of the world. I didn't finish until... I did Hinduism, Buddhism, Judaism, Islam when I was at Valley. Mm. And then when I got to Carlsbad High, uh, TR was my MGM teacher. And he said, you have to do Christianity. And I didn't want to do it because it couldn't be as easy as the the church down the street.
3: Yeah. Mm.
1: Um, you know, so... Yeah, the short story is that I started researching
3: hmm.
1: uh Christianity in a very textbook way. And then I felt uh disingenuous because I had read the Talmud, I'd read the Quran, I'd read the Vedas, you know, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to touch the Bible. Hmm. Because I don't know why. I've you know. Yeah. Um and so I thought, no, I gotta I gotta do it. And so I went and found a Bible in my atheist parents' house. Found out that actually my dad had won it for memorizing verses in Sunday school, and uh, and I don't know why I, I don't know why I didn't start at the beginning like you do with any other book. Mm-hmm. But I'm dyslexic, so I just opened it up. The very first Bible verse I read was, uh, "The word of God is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, mm. dividing asunder between soul and spirit." and is uh, discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. And I slammed it and pushed around. <laughs> dude, dude, whoa. And then if you go on a couple of the verses, it says everything is naked and open hmm. before, him who, uh, before the eyes of him. And I don't know what translation it was, but whatever translation it was, it said, before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Hmm. And I was like, dude have to do Mm. with this other. And then, uh, then, you know, then I just started, uh, researching more. And one of the things that impressed me was that in all the other religions, except for Judaism, um, there was this striving to get to God,
3: Mm. Mm
1: -hmm. but in, and I was literally in a textbook, uh, it had a picture of the Sistine Chapel. You know, the famous picture where God is reaching towards man and Adam's sort of like, you know, just kind of there.
0: Just yeah. lifting up his finger.
1: But that made a real impression on me yeah. that that God is, he's really essentially doing all the work. Yeah. From Adam, where are you to, you know, seeking, seeking us out.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: The common finding, you know, it's like, yeah. I know the same for me. I was like, wait, so in every system, the worshipers are climbing this ladder to their God and failing at some point, And it's like sacrificing their way up this ladder. And like the gospel, it's like flipped. Like the God yeah. is coming to me, coming down the right. ladder. Yeah. Like I got that. like, Jesus was a baby and I, I, I understood the cross and a little bit, but that this, it just, it, it was reverse. Yeah. It was reverse of every other mm-hmm. like philosophical or, you know, ethical or religious idea of what is right and wrong. It was like, this is so backwards. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, more than that too, more than that too, right? Cause the gods come down in other religions, uh, like the Greek mm-hmm. pantheon of gods or in some of the, you know, Hindu scriptures as well. And, but the, it, they come down to seed chaos. They come down because they're envious and capricious. They're down because they want mm-hmm. to extract something or cause yeah. they fall in love with somebody, you know? Um, and, uh, yeah, God, the God of the Christian narrative seems to come into to lead us towards life, towards healing, and to say like, "Well, actually, draw us into this right. relationship." Yeah. Okay, so you have this. You had the the eight year old Wendy gets awakened uh-huh. by Yosemite, the natural world. Yeah. The, the first gospel, as the as the our Catholic friends would say, right? Yeah. Um, and then you. you <laughs> The Bible falls open to a searing verse yes. <laughs> uh, that just kind of scorches your mind in lots of ways, um, but you persist to continue to learn about it and uh-huh. you see this yeah. this distinction. Um, so what does that do? Yeah. What does that do in the life and mind of Wendy? Take us on from there.
1: Well, so what kicked me over the edge was um, probably the heaviest partiers at Carlsbad High invited me to Young Life.
0: But of course, Christians.
1: Yes. <laughs> Christians. No, they weren't Christians. Oh, they weren't. They no, just went to Young Life. They, they weren't Christians. They just went to Young Life because no, they said like, it's really fun. Yeah, young Life, knows how to,
0: young Life knows how to throw a good party, man. That's yeah. true. That's and so, true. you
1: know, as a yeah, freshman in high school, you know, you want to have fun. And, but, but when I went, one of the things that impressed me was it, it was clean fun. There was no pressure to drink, no pressure to hook up, you know, that yeah. kind of stuff. And then I would sort of endure their God talk. Hmm. You know, I'd have all the fun. There would be five minute God talk. But then it started to cross over where I was having the fun, but I was anticipating the God talk.
3: Mm.
1: And then I went to Young Life Winter Camp and Randy Jusev was, oh, was preaching. Oh, my
2: goodness. You need, to get, a, yeah, we we get need to get Randy in here. Yeah, we do need to get
0: Randy in here. Legend. You want to come help it, uh, do that interview? You should yeah, host yeah. that one. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. I'll step off. You, you <laughs> take my spot.
1: And, you know, and then he, he was preaching on, on the woman from Luke 9, I believe, where uh, she touches the hem of his garment. Mm-hmm. And that really spoke to me um because she was unseen mm. and she had this problem and I was the middle of five so I was the unseen that could play invisibility both ways mm. and um and he stops and he, you know Jesus stops to hear her story yeah. he he knew she was healed but he wanted that relationship and so December 23rd 1974 epic I,
0: that is epic indeed how old were you
1: I was 14 14. No, it's 13. Yeah, no, it's 14. Just 14.
2: Hmm. Wow. That's, I love that. And on on so many levels, I just, and it's so cool to me when God reaches out and gets a hold of people. I mean, every story is unique and similar. And um, how does, okay. So like, we all know where this is going. Can I just ask the question? You can. Yeah. Ask. uh, So how do you go from like, okay, like, whoa, this God loves me. Yeah. I love this God. Like. I've kind of figured it out and I'm, I've had this encounter. It's amazing. How do you get caught up in basically a cult? Yes. That's, I mean, that's why we're all here, right? Yes.
1: Well, so, so in high school, so I'm a freshman in high school. So I go through all through high school. Um, My sister had gotten saved three months before me through young life. And so we were sort of, you know, sharing in our room, you know, stuff, but, And that's when the debates started. My parents were kind of like of the philosophy, oh, when they're older, they can decide religion. But as soon as we decided, the debates began. So I didn't, not a lot of support at home, Mm. you know, for faith. And I would go to churches here and there, but I didn't get it.
3: Mm.
1: You know, I just was like, what I had, you know, learned, it just didn't seem to make sense when I went to different churches Mm. And then, uh, for some reason, I thought, when I go to college, I'm going to really walk with the Lord. And so I went to Cal State Long Beach, and that I've, the first thing I, that happened to me is I went through a huge culture shock.
3: Because
1: mm. when I was growing up, there was about 9,000 people in Carlsbad. Um, by the time I graduated from high school, there was more, but Cal State Long Beach had more students than people <laughs> in the city of Carlsbad. Oh, my goodness. And so it was just overwhelming. Mm. And then I really think cults come out of a desire for community mm. um, or tribalism, which can be... Yeah, it's
0: on form of community, right? You know,
1: yeah. So <clears throat> I started going to a Bible said There were different ones. There was InterVarsity and there was Fellowship of Christian Athletes, but that seemed more like Young Life, like let's have the fun, the little God talk. Yeah. But the one I went to was All God Talk. I learned how to read the Bible um, inductively, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then we were just, th- we were a bunch of high school kids, not high school kids, we are college kids, that wanted to change the world for Jesus. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But we became this, you know, tight group of, of people, and then this older guy came
3: mm-hmm.
1: who knew more about the Bible than we did. And so without really, we just believed him. And so, if you see the movie Jesus Rev- Revolution, yeah, this is kind of in the, it's still the Jesus Jesus movement, uh, Jesus people movement, but it's th- kind of the later years. And this guy actually divided some of the houses uh, that w- came together uh, at Calvary Chapel. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, is it? Or- you you know, we in Orange County, mm-hmm. and. Uh, So we were just meeting, having Bible studies, and then this guy Tim Giftakis comes and he's, Mm -hmm. you know, just that much older than us. And then he takes, you know, he takes us on Sunday to Fullerton where his dad, George Giftakis, is is preaching. And and we were all pretty young in the faith. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm trying to think. The only people who grew up in churches in that group grew up in Catholic churches. Mm. Okay. But then there was a, just a lot of people who had gotten saved during the Jesus People movement. So we didn't have that foundation. And so he was, you know, he was preaching and we were just believing it.
3: Mm.
0: So how do you pronounce his name again? Giftakis. Giftakis. Okay. So George Giftakis is the head of What? It's called the uh, the assembly.
1: The assembly is kind of what it was.
0: What it became. What it
1: became. Yes, mm-hmm. because we believed that you don't take a name, because as soon as you take a name, you start to separate yourself from the greater body of Christ. Mm-hmm. But we totally separated ourselves yeah. from the greater body of Christ. <laughs> so, can you articulate
0: then? Okay, so we got a group of young, kind of new believers who are really fervent and ardent in your faith. You guys yeah. are the you guys are the tribe that is yeah, hungry for going deeper and yes. learning more. And then um you essentially get recruited by Tim, his son.
1: Uh-huh. So yeah. he
0: he comes and hears about this Bible study of these, you know, zealous young folks who want to change the world for Jesus. And uh he kind of says, No, hey, come follow me to my dad's church. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um
1: well and some of the the Bible study they went to, they were already kind of doing that. Hmm. But they were. Um, there was another couple that was Tim's age, and they were kind of running the Bible study. But they, they were just you know, down to earth. Yeah. You know, seeking just like we were. Yeah. Much more transparent and honest. Yeah. So nothing sounds off
2: yet, and yet. I know the, yes. I know the, the, the story yet. continues, yeah. Yeah. and yeah, yeah. I know no one wakes up and and goes like, "Hey, I think I'm going to join a cult today." Um, <laughs> yeah. So how did the how did the frog and water? You know, yeah, how did, the, yeah, how did yeah. the how did the water start to boil? And, to and when did you notice it was hot?
1: <laughs> well, that's the thing. Not till the very end. Yeah, <laughs> you know, probably the last five years is okay. when we really saw that and the, the total the, duration the water was hot twenty five years. Twenty five years. Yeah. Okay. And I think that's exactly it. It was this gradual, um, a very gradual thing. So we were just we wanted to change the world. We wanted to know more about Jesus. Yeah. And we wanted to change the world for Jesus. So one of the things they got us out was out preaching the gospel. Recruiting is a good word, mm-hmm. but we didn't look at it that way. We were just out sharing the gospel. So every Friday night, we were out on the Huntington Beach Pier. Um, Tuesday nights, we had Bible study. Thursday night, we had prayer meetings. Some Friday nights, we had all nights of prayer. And then Sunday was all day for Jesus. So it was you know morning worship. It would go almost to lunch. We'd have lunch, and then you'd have an afternoon meeting. And we, you know, we didn't see it back then, mm. but when you get married and start to have kids, and you're doing that much during the week, yeah. um, you lose sleep. You, yeah, <laughs> you healthy. know, you you lose that meditative alone time because now you're meditating mm-hmm. in the Word to to be in the cult, you yeah. know, to be as smart and as spiritual mm-hmm. yeah. and all that stuff, and so you're even your time in the Word. Uh, you know, gets a little warped and then you're studying it together. And so you're all, you know, a lot of groupthink.
0: think. Mm-hmm. Totally. Did, so, yeah, I hear a couple of things that are kind of classic uh, markers of of being in a cult, which is increasing isolation between like yeah. the community and the culture, where it sounds yeah, like yeah. so much of your time is spent within this community, mm-hmm. um, yeah. like kind of like, <laughs> well building each other up, frothing, mm-hmm. uh, as it were, and then the only time that you're really going out into the culture is to evangelize or to recruit, right? To, yeah. to then, hey, come yeah. back and participate right. in this yes. This pretty insular sort yeah. of thing that we've got to, going. To tell
1: the world right. that they got it wrong and we got it right. Yes. So come here. And e- that would even happen with Christians. Mm. You know, we were so smug, you know, because we had the truth. Right. We had the truth that nobody else saw, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. so it was like oh, they walk in the light that they have. I mean, how condescending (laughs) is that? And we would like, you know, if I ran into you, I'd go, oh, Joel, where do you fellowship? And and I'm not asking, because I want to know if you're in a church. I want to categorize you. To figure it out. Yeah. Mm
2: -hmm. And that's like, that's like where the Jesus movement kind of fell apart, right? Is because you had this beautiful organic thing that happened. It was like definitively a movement of God. And then what? how do we articulate it? And then yeah. everybody groups, everybody kind of finds a tribe and then it's really, it looks no different than it did prior to the Jesus movement. It's like, you know. Right,
1: yeah. Well, yeah, because, we, you know, Chuck Smith was known for bringing the hippies in, you yeah. know, they're coming in with dirty bare feet yeah. and, mm-hmm. you know, they may or may not be on drugs while they're hearing the, hearing the sermon. Um, but you got to clean that up, you know, and because there's rules. Right. And right. that's the thing is where legalism... You know, really started to uh, creep in. I know you guys are going to give me this look like, God, I thought she was a smart woman. But, um, you know, we had to wear dresses on Sunday because very complimentary. Right. And um, we wore head coverings. Oh, wow. Yeah. The full nine yards. The full nine yards. Yeah. It was, we were always confused because it's like women keep silent in the church, but we could pray, we could worship, but we couldn't teach. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so that was, you know, and it was very orthodox. There was, in some teachings, it was the legalism that went off, and then the mind control. Mm. A lot of. All right, you just said mind control. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, have to, I'm
2: gonna have to stop you right there. Did you just bring go. your
1: tinfoil hat? <laughs> that,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. T- talk to us about that. Um, yeah. What is? What do you mean by that?
1: Well, it's really subtle. Um, you know, like if you look at like freshman in college, I didn't know what a sociopath was. I didn't know Mm. what a narcissist was. Um, And there was kind of group gaslighting Mm. and uh, manipulation. So if you, you know, yes, we're saved by grace, but there's consequences for sin. And things became increasingly legalistic, not just with, um, like, we didn't use instruments at worship. We sang congregationally, and there was this whole Bible teaching about, you know, at the end of the Old Testament, now it's the New Testament, and, and you don't do that anymore.
3: Mm.
1: And I'm, I'm trying to think of some of our other crazy things. Mm. But we would make things that might be good practice, but it became law. Right, right. And, and then that increased more and more, you know, like, um, the fact that I have short hair and pierced ears, (sighs) that's just,
0: you know. Mm. So you didn't back then? No, 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 not at
1: all. This is
2: is rebellious. Yes,
1: this is, yeah. And, and then that was hard for me to grow my hair long because my hair grows out (laughs) into a big fro. And so, uh, Yeah. The wrestling with the hair was was a huge thing, <laughs> mm. and just the way you know giving it was it was all this you know formulated groupthink mm-hmm. that was coming from this one guy, right? Who could do no wrong, even if you saw something wrong, it was justified and you know by the leaders. And it's funny because we said, like in each group, we we um, we didn't believe in having a pastor, so we had a plurality of leadership. Um, and I really think that was George's way of, of someone not getting too much power Mm -hmm. so he could maintain the power. Like when it all imploded, there was, you know, we just went, wait a minute, he's like the Pope, they're like the Cardinals, they're like the Bishops. Uh
2: (laughs) It's like, we're doing it the same. Yeah, exactly. And,
0: uh, uh, okay. So there's four prime, I, I, uh, you know, did a, (laughs) a modicum of, of research ahead of time. Um. And we, so, we have already heard some of the four main characteristics of a cult are authoritarian control. Mm-hmm. So, um, cultism hinges on encouraging maximum obedience and um, kind of around an individual charismatic leader. So, that's yes. George yeah, yeah. in this
2: capacity. Yeah. And right? the
1: isolation. Like, um, you couldn't miss a Sunday, you know? What would happen? If you did. Uh, it was really looked down on, yeah. you know, and you you had to check with the leading brothers if you're going to be gone. Oh, wow. You know.
0: Because uh, that's extremist beliefs is is number two. Cult members hold to very dogmatic and rigid beliefs. They're unable to question these belief systems without punishment yeah. uh, from the leadership or other group members. Right, yeah. So you kind of start seeing—did you, did you notice that where, like— uh, a little bit of the big brother or you're, you're narking or reporting on other people? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then isolation from society mm-hmm. as soon as new and members... And from families. And from... F- okay.
1: Families of origin. Oh, really? Yeah. Because they would emphasize the the Bible <clears throat> verses like, you know, where Jesus says, unless you... Leave your mother and your father your, yeah. and come after me. Yeah. And, and you know, and equates it to hate and, you know, and j- they just would formulate it... Um, you know, when Jesus says, uh, you know, what's the one where foxes have, you know... Oh, yeah. Have foxes have ho- h- holes
0: and, and, and something, have dens, but the yeah. Son of Man has nowhere to lo- lay his head. Yeah, and then the next yeah.
1: one is, you know, let me go say goodbye. That was it. Let oh, me yep. go say goodbye to my family. Oh, no, you know, leave your... They and would let just the dead bury the, the, dead. the dead. Let, let the, the dead, dead bury the dead. Yeah. They would just, you know, make those really big. So anytime you're really with family, there was pressure... To it wasn't really. Oh, I'm getting together with my family to celebrate someone's birthday. Mm-hmm. I'm going to a family birthday party to share the gospel.
2: Mm-hmm. It's a mission.
1: Yes, yeah, so it's a mission, and so your family became.
0: Which leads in a lot of ways to over spiritualizing yeah. things, right? Like, oh, oh if, I, yes. if there's something I want to do, I have to find. I have to. I have to bend over backwards to find some just like spiritual justification for doing this. You yeah, know, yeah. When you can't just go hang out with your family and yeah. celebrate a birthday.
1: I, I remember when John and I first got married. We, um, we went on a 10 day honeymoon, which was frowned upon because after about seven days, your brain starts to change, mm. you know? And so if you're <laughs> locked in this way of thinking and, and it really happened, you know, mm. there was a reason they were afraid for that because we started questioning things, but then we came back and then right before we knew it, we were trapped in the culture again. Drank the Kool-Aid again. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So... Yeah, isolation. So authoritarian control, extremist beliefs, isolation from society, and then veneration of a single individual. Sounds like yep. we've we've heard we've ticked all the boxes. We've ticked, <laughs> we've ticked all the boxes, and congratulations. We can, we can confirm after some investigation that Wendy, you did participate in what became a cult.
2: Mm-hmm. So what's interesting to me is, you know, when I hear the word cult, and I, and I don't want to, not diminishing this at all, because this, yeah. and I think this is my question. Like like if. The, the Netflix documentary, wild, wild country. Have you seen that? Uh-uh. It's about the rush up in oh, Oregon. Oh
1: Yeah. 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 And it's oh, cool. Like I it's a, seen it. it's a young it life. A it's
2: a young life camp now that I yeah. actually spoke at. Wow. And I, and I wild horse, Canyon? wild horse. Canyon. Yeah, and yeah. I, I'm like, one of my, my talks, all these high school kids, I'm like, and you know, this used to be a sex cult. They're like, <gasps> they're like what? what? Yeah. I'm like, yes, I didn't <laughs> go watch the Netflix documentary with your parents sign off. But, um, yeah, yeah. But, um, <laughs> You know, and I, you you watch that movement start and it Mm -hmm. starts kind of obviously in the East and it's, um, it just progressively gets bad, like every chapter. And I know that's filmmaking and it's, there's, but I mean, from going to like, Hey, I want to be around this person for spiritual enlightenment. That's a good thing. Um, I want to be in this community as we, um, what's yours is mine and what's mine is yours. That's a, yeah, great, yeah. that's a, that's a great thing. I, yeah, there's yeah. been, you know, um, healthy community, healthy yeah. spirituality, mentorship, discipleship, right. you can yeah. label all these things as, as normal. Yeah. But when they start like poisoning the town's water where they're trying to get like a, oh, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and trying to actually, you know, and it becomes like an actual yeah, yeah. sex cult and like all the crazy things these cults are known for. I guess what, um, you know, my, my my question here in this conversation is, um, when did you start to realize that, okay, this might not be discipleship, what we thought it was. This right, is actually yeah. spiritual abuse. Mm-hmm. This might yeah, not yeah. be community, healthy community that we right. longing for. Yeah. It's actually really manipulative and really controlling. Mm-hmm. And like, when did... Because, again, it's just how you paint yeah, it. Yeah. They're painting it one way. Like, I guess, um, yeah. When were when was that aha moment for you and yeah. John? And
1: well, and, one one of the things that keeps you in that too is is very few people lived alone. So, like, even as a married couple, like when we got married, then we had a training house. A training is, house is what we called it. So, like, I lived with three gals you know, when I was in college. He lived with three guys. But then when we got married, we lived alone very shortly before. Then we had a training home. So we had three college women living with us, and we were training them. And we had, like, head stewards of the house. And, um, you know, I had to submit to John, but so did they, you know. And and it just—there was that. And then there was—it was almost the doomsday thing where we talked a lot about Jesus coming back. There was a training home that was learning to skin rabbits— you know, for the great
2: They're persecution,
1: preppers? yeah. Um,
2: I, I would have signed up for that one. That's, yeah.
0: uh, <laughs> no, dude, I raised rabbits right. in four oh, H, so <clears throat> I would definitely would not. I would have boycotted that. Yeah, that one.
1: But you're supposed to. You you didn't go the you know yeah, the I, whole magila with four H if you didn't. <laughs> if you didn't eat the rabbit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Matea, yeah. <laughs> and you had the fattest
2: rabbit too, didn't you? Have like the prize winning rabbit.
0: I didn't have the fattest. I had the, mo- I had the best behaved. Henry, my Netherland dwarf, was an all-time, uh. show, all-time <laughs> show rabbit. Grand champion so of the Stanwood nice, Fair. Nice, were had yeah. a
2: rabbit cult leader? You had a
0: no, dude, the term is cunecologist, and this isn't about me this is, and the cults that I was a part <laughs> I of I think we're yeah. homeschooling. We going yeah. to about your rabbit. No, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> this is about Wendy, okay? Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I really think it's interesting looking back on it. So all these young families... You know so we were college kids, and then we all started getting married as you do, and then started ha- having kids as you do and there was only a few couples that were like that much older than us, mm-hmm. like say ten years just yeah. ten years older than us and as all of those kids started to become teenagers, that was also the time that the internet became a thing mm-hmm. and the teenagers were just asking questions like why we were accepting it mm-hmm. You know, yes. You know, we you got to wear a dress because of some verse in Leviticus, and we cover our heads because of First Corinthians eleven. And we and but then the teenagers are going, but why?
2: Mm-hmm. And here is a podcast from somebody, and you know, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that has that has an answer to that.
1: Right, right. Well, I mean, probably a chat room back yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. No podcast yeah. yet. Yeah. That's right. Um, and so then you know, there became this big push, and as parents. You know, and trying to be honest and good parents, I, I really think that's when it started to swell and to, um, and people started talking to each other, but privately. Mm. I mean, because if you if you yeah if you question, question too China. publicly, then you were you know you get banished and mm. you know like when people left, people did leave, but there was always. You know, all their sins were paraded before everybody gossiped oh, no. around, oh, yeah. you know, and they were banished uh, in a, you know, a twist of 1 Corinthians 5 or 6. So was
0: it actually, like, was it clear, like, oh, these people left, like, you're to have no contact with them? Is yep. it that explicit? Yep, exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And I was kind that's, of a rebel because I, I right kept there. Yeah. Uh, contact with uh, some of those people because they were my friend. I mean, I got right. to college with them, Yeah. you know, and... And one of them, uh, my friend Elaine, they, she and her husband left about ten years before we did. Mm-hmm. And when everything imploded and we got together, she couldn't believe how, how much more legalistic, and how much more controlling it had gotten. Things had become. And she would tell you they really left because of their children,
3: mm-hmm.
1: because we did. We would have our children, in the meeting with us,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and we call it mat training. Like when they were babies, you know, they'd be on a mat next to us. Mm. And, and this, is, this is, to me, I discovered this afterwards, much to my uh, shame and agony. But, you know, disciplining a child to do what you wanted to obey sounded right. Mm-hmm. But we were putting kids on a mat, training them for Sunday. So when a kid wanted to crawl, we were stopping them. When they wanted to vocalize, we were making them be quiet. I would now call that a form of abuse. Yeah. Because at the time, I didn't know. Yeah. You know Erickson's model or Piaget or.
0: Mm-hmm. You know healthy childhood development. Yeah. And identity formation. And so
1: now I look back on it and just go, oh my
0: goodness. Yeah. So you because you ha- how many kids do you and John have? Seven. Seven kids. Was that was was big families a part of like that the the cult culture?
1: It actually was not when uh, when John and I and this other couple started having kids. We really felt like that was just a response mm. to the Lord. Like in college, you'd hear everybody get like, um, "I'm you know I'm praying for the will of God for where I live, and I'm praying for the will of God for you know what I'm going to do for a living." Mm. And then when they got married, I'm praying for you know a spouse who's who's the will of God for me to go right. through life with. But then as soon as they got married, I'm going to have two kids. You know, and so we just left that to God. Right. Yeah. And it was a little controversial, but then by the end, yeah, almost everybody was having mm. tons of kids.
2: <laughs> how did your how did your kids navigate that? Like as as you became or as you got to the season where you were departing from this yeah, yeah movement, um, like was there fallout with your kids? Oh
1: huge, huge. I mean my kids I think all of my kids should be in therapy till the end of their days (laughs) because of what they endured. Like Anna, our oldest, was a very compliant baby. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: And so she really got the brunt of that, you know, stay on the mat, Mat quiet down. And then, uh, yeah, just a lot of... I'm trying to think of all of it, but the control. Like one of the things that... The guru panicked, you know, when these high schoolers, high schoolers were starting to ask questions. So we would um, have this thing in the summer called the Teen Team, where we'd put all the high schoolers together from all over the country. They'd all come out from the Midwest, and they would sit under his teaching in summer school, you know, and then they would go evangelize, you know, on the beaches and stuff, in modest bathing suits. <laughs> <laughs> the purity thing yeah, of sure. the 80s and 90s sure. was huge and um so this yeah, wasn't whole, like
0: a this wasn't just a regional cult this was this is like there was there's movements or houses or assemblies yeah, franchise offices franchise, yeah. franchise <laughs> offices um yeah was, so it, was, it wasn't just a california thing there is yeah the no there was
1: a lot in california because fullerton was kind of the base but the epicenter then, there okay um yeah all over the country Rhode island and yeah. a lot in the midwest and
0: so it so the assembly ends it all starts falling apart in 2003 if i understand
1: uh before that before that okay
0: yeah. um so what time did when did you guys exit scene left
1: yeah so that was 2003 it was actually funny cuz john was a leading brother oh. in the group in honey beach
2: what, the, what does that mean
1: so that that meant he was in a plurality of leadership um so there wasn't a pastor there was Four leaders, and he was one of them. Wow. And um, and it w- looking back on it, there was always one of those guys that was super loyal to George. Right. And uh, John was him. not one of those. Gotcha. Um, but probably about five years before the implosion, we really started to question, along with our teenagers, because wh- that's it. One of the biggest things I think that damaged our children psychologically as they saw John and I making decisions for them that they knew John and I did not hold as a conviction. Oh. Because of the group. Yeah. And so, you know, there's a lot of feeling of of we're not first. They're making a choice for us because of this and mm-hmm.
0: the, same, the and they could they could sniff out that it wasn't your genuine belief or conviction, and yeah. so they're watching a, a, f- a form of obedience and hypocrisy. Yeah, 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 which
1: really challenged us, and, you know, we started talking about it, you know, my close friends behind closed doors, you know, we would talk about what's going on, and George would preach that some churches, you know, have Ichabod written over over them, the glory has departed, and we started talking about that, mm. has the glory departed? And and mm-hmm. is there a revival? Because we we got this strange sense of, <clears throat> we would go to the Tuesday Night Bible study, and it felt like the fellowship was broken. Mm. I mean, we're there with the same Bible, doing the same things, but it wasn't what it used to be. But then when I would take my kids to public school and would run into Christians, I could have real fellowship with them. Mm. And so it, it was kind of this curious thing. And then...
0: When you say the fellowship was broken, like, so there just wasn't any vitality anymore? There was no, like, sense of, like, like a powerful animating spirit that, like, encouraged, sustained, inspired you? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yes. Because, you know, right when I got saved, I, you know, I didn't know all about the Holy Spirit. But I knew, you know, like, I could go to a party, no problem. Mm -hmm. But after I got saved, I started questioning things that were happening at parties. Mm. Or, Or more like... Somebody was questioning me, mm. you know, like, should you be here? You yeah. know, is that cool? And, and so here's the thing. Like, I could see God talking to me the whole time, mm. but I could also see when I, w- I wasn't following the Spirit. So when John and I left for like two years, this was our, our habit. We would go to bed at night and we would start laughing. Can you believe we ever believed? And then in the morning, we would get up and have our time with the Lord and have to repent. Uh, the Holy Spirit would bring back sp- specific situations <clears throat> where we weren't following Him. <clears throat> so, so I could really say the Lord was always faithful. But part of, part of being deceived is self-deception. Mm. Yeah, mm. that comes from pride because you want to rise in the hierarchy of this thing sure mm. you know you you might join it for community but then you know then yeah. you want to And you want affirmation yeah. you
0: want praise you want opportunity you want yeah. influence mm-hmm. so
1: there was there was a, a few couples some of those older couples that had the teenagers that were a little older than us they left and then they started um a uh You know, chat rooms and then uh, websites. They had a website where people were talking about it. And we didn't have television. Like, you you weren't supposed to have television Mm -hmm. in your home. It's part of the Um,
0: isolationist right there. But
1: when computers started going into every home, then, you know, you needed it for work. This was just part of the thing. And so you could sneak on and watch, you know, read these websites and go, oh, yeah, yeah. And so we all started talking about that. and And then the one couple... Steve and Margaret Irons, they were um, like George's right-hand couple. And they were the ones that left. And oh. then they were the ones that started. Margaret started the, um, the website. Oh, wow. And, um, yeah, and just exposing, you know, the th- truth. But then they started also digging into George's past. And, you know, George always said he had to leave the Plymouth Brethren because— you know when he created this narrative mm-hmm. he w- he was thrown out of the Plymouth brethren because he was having affairs which with is, women
0: which is ultimately part of what led to the downfall of, of yes, the assembly it, be, it as well, became
1: right? it became you know we figured out that really he was having an affair with just about every other secretary mm. oh geez. and um and that his wife like when she would find out about it she would she would silence the women by saying you, you could bring down a worldwide ministry. Yeah.
2: Of course. That's how, that's like, it's like the common narrative in that. Yeah. Yes. Like yeah. Ravi Zacharias, same thing. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And so, so that was found out. But then also there was a gal who, uh, Betty had a lot of, that's George's wife, had a lot of, uh, health issues, mm-hmm. uh, that we think, we don't know. I mean, cause she would never come to meetings cause she had these health issues And um, there was a gal who kind of helped take care of her, and she started becoming real convicted by the way George and Betty were spending money Mm. because she lived very sparsely Mm. and simply, and all of a sudden she just left. Mm. She was a real good friend of ours, but she came from the East Coast, and she just went back. and, um, Mm. And then, you know, so the money and the control... And the affairs, and then there, they had, uh, George and Betty had two sons, Tim and David. David was the older son, and David was uh, seriously abusing his wife and one of his yeah. daughters. One of his daughters lost hearing in one ear because of the amount of abuse oh my um, that she was getting, and then and then his wife was being abused, and. If you go, you know, if you go on the website, you see all these, these stories of um, people saw her being abused, mm-hmm. but, and they would say things and, and they were told it, it was being taken care of,
3: mm.
1: you know, but also she was being blamed mm. for the abuse. If you would just submit, if you would do what David wanted, you know, and that's also pretty classic,
2: yeah, you know. Oh sex money power. Yeah, yep. indeed. Downfall every yep. time.
1: Nothing nothing, nothing new, new under, under the, the sun. sun.
2: <laughs> so true.
0: You know, I there's it's heartbreaking to hear the story just as it's heartbreaking to like you know this last couple of years particularly in the evangelical church. In the West, it's just felt like one story after another of, yeah. of this same exact pattern yeah. playing out, you know, which <laughs> yeah. one of the reasons why I want us to have this conversation is because we're seeing the pattern replayed, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. because, so the temptations for ending up in places like this remain the same in each generation. And um, so in some ways I'm hoping that we can all learn from your experience to how to like orient ourselves in a world where meaning is confusing or um, where people use and abuse the name of God or use and abuse scripture Mm -hmm. um, to uh, to seemingly like healthier good ends that ultimately yeah. end up getting twisted. You know, as you said earlier, Joel, I appreciated the sort of humanity that you're granting everybody by saying nobody wakes up and thinks that they're going to join a cult. Um, yeah. and I think <laughs> certain true sociopaths do maybe just say like, like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to start a cult, you know, yeah. um, I because I just want power control, sex, money, power, whatever. But most oftentimes it's also, it's this weird, strange, twisted tale of like, you know, good intentions and one bad decision after another. So yeah. I appreciate like what you're sharing. Um, because it's a, it's a helpful warning. I think it's good wisdom that we can all be paying attention to as we look at our current culture, mm-hmm. uh, the different communities of faith or practice that we're all involved in to say, well, Hey, am I seeing any of these, um, characteristics that we've described at work. And if so, like, well, Hey, um, there's lots of resources out there, uh, to help navigate that. And if you've been a part of one of those communities, there's lots of, I mean, I know our church has, which is actually where I want to go next. Um, our church has, you know, like a free drop in counseling center, um, Mm -hmm. because there's just so much trauma and abuse and heartbreak that's in the world. And and unfortunately, a lot of that lays at the feet of religious communities, Uh, but I'm curious for you, so we've we've heard now how, like some of your guys' experience in that, and um, we've kind of got to see and hear a little bit of what uh, what that looks like, life in of 25 years in a cult. And then we started to just name some of wh- how the wheels begin to fall off, how the cracks begin yeah. to show, and which ultimately lead to you guys leaving. And you even started to share some of how after you guys had left and you're kind of scoffing at your past selves, how could yeah. we ever believe you recognize well actually well God was still there and present during that time actually uh-huh. kind of always speaking to us and yeah. convicting us in different ways you have uh, some of the best reason anybody who's experienced abusive spiritual communities or abusive spiritual leaders has the best reason to doubt God his goodness yeah. and to say hey I don't want to have anything to do with you God and I don't I definitely don't want to have anything to do with spiritual communities anymore yeah but that is not your story I met you in a church Yes, you are very you're a very involved leader in our church yeah, you yeah. and John serve um, and you... well, what's
1: funny about that is one week uh. we were in Huntington Beach and the leading brothers were disbanding the assembly in Huntington Beach And mm-hmm. the very next week. The very next Sunday, we were at North Coast Calvary Chapel.
0: No way. So it was just like you didn't have a decompression season, uh, you know, or anything. We you had didn't...
1: a decompression season, but at North Coast. So it's, it's interesting. Um, the brothers got together, and we, the whole church came together. We're having a special meeting. No head coverings so the women could talk.
2: Ooh. <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> Dangerous. Yeah.
1: yeah. And in Huntington Beach, uh, one of George's granddaughters and her husband were there. And so it was all, there were letters that were read and it was all brought out that George was being excommunicated from his own cult. Uh, but the, the leading brothers in Huntington to beach wanted to disband. And they just said, get into healthy churches. Huh. Mm. And one guy said, I don't think we should be together. I don't think it's healthy. You know, we really do have to find that healing journey on our own. Mm. And, uh, John and I really felt like the Lord was speaking to us to, uh, I I was reading a verse that said, go home now Mm. as you have believed, so be it done unto you. Mm. And uh, So we, just because of different circumstances, we started praying about that that Sunday afternoon Mm. because the Lord was speaking to me, the Lord was speaking to John and then we'd been renting a house in Fountain Valley for 13 years, but Uh, The Vietnamese couple that were our landlords told us when, you know, when we signed the lease that they were saving the house for uh, when they finally got their family out of Vietnam. Mm. And so Sunday, the church is disbanding. Monday, Nam calls us and he goes, Wendy, I'm so sorry. He goes, but we're going to have to take back the house. And I'm going, Nam, you got your family out. That's what that means, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and so that's what it meant. I go, no problem. We'll be gone. In the meantime, my father had died, and my mom was saying, hey, does anybody want this?" She didn't need a four-bedroom house in Carlsbad. And so we just left. Wow. Hmm. But John felt like we should uh, not get in the habit of forsaking the, the assembling of our shelves together. He was twenty-five, So um, there was a San Diego branch office of the cult, and we talked to one of the guys there because they had disbanded the week a week or two before us and he goes, yeah, I went to this church that wasn't too bad was his thing. And he said, North coast, if you look, we literally looked in a phone book because that's <laughs> what he said. We opened the phone book and there's a ton of North Coasts yeah. yeah. all over. And John goes, you, do you remember what he said? And I go, I don't know. And he goes, that one's in Carlsbad. Let's go there. And so we showed up at North coast Calvary, um, the girls and I were all in flower print dresses with lace collars.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, <laughs> the guys were all in shirt, shirts and ties. And and we felt like we were really going on into enemy territory. Like, is this right? Wow. And, um, so what year is this? Uh, it was February 2003. Okay. So, so Mark Foreman
2: was the... So Mark
1: Foreman, he wasn't preaching that day, but... Um, Do you remember who was? There was a lot of funny stories. So uh, Debbie walked up to us. She was the children's ministry leader. I and mean, she saw all these kids. When she saw, it, she goes, oh, here's a homeschool family. And, uh, so she goes, she, she, the first thing she said to us was, are you lost? <laughs> oh, no. And John and I looked at each other like, oh honey, you don't even know
3: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> how lost we are. Cause we were really just spiritually beat up and, yeah, days sure. and confused. And sure. so she goes, she goes, you know, like, and she starts telling us where the kids will go, you know, to different. And we're like, no, no, we, we're keeping the kids with us. Yeah.
2: They're mat trained. Yeah.
1: They're mat trained. Yeah. So we went in and we just sitting there, you know, with them like Russian nesting dolls, you yeah. know, right down, right down the line. And, uh, what was funny was she, Debbie has never done this before or since, but she was on announcements with Jim and she said, you know, if you're new here and she's supposed to do the card thing, yeah. well, she doesn't do that. She goes, there is a new family here. Hinman stand up. <laughs> We just wanted to. She's like from one cult to another. Yeah. We just wanted to melt into the carpeting, but oh, no. um, she had to stand up. But the funny thing oh. was, then G- Jim takes over and he goes, he goes, we're going to have a time of ties and offerings, and so Jeremy, our third grade son, you know, looks around and he goes, you know, nobody's wearing ties. They're really serious about this ties and offering things. He was the first boy, so he pulls his clip on tie off, throws it in the, yes! the offering bag. <laughs> Dude, that's amazing. Yeah. That's such I a look at John story. and he's just like,
2: "It's great."
1: Let it pass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're probably wondering why there's this clip on tie <laughs> <laughs> with the offerings. Jeremy's <laughs> like,
0: offering. "Finally, this church rules." Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: but then, so Jeff Ranky was actually preaching. Oh from, no uh, Cool from Philippians. He was preaching on money because that's what it says, you know. Yeah, and um. And our kids were just, you know, hitting each other going, that's right. It's right there. Yeah. They had the Bibles open. They were taking notes.
2: Amazing. Oh my gosh. Um, what did that, what did that next season with your family look like? Because I can only imagine, you know, like. Yeah. Your kids are along for their journey. So it's like, oh, right. they didn't know, you know, everybody's sitting, a sat in a boring church yeah, service yeah. before. So yeah. it doesn't matter if it's a cold or if it's Northwest yeah. Calvary Chapel or if it's whatever. But what was that like for you guys in this discovery of just newness of yeah. of life and of spirituality and freedom and a new congregation? Yeah. And, um, and I'm, I'm just, I'm thinking like through the, the, the eyes of your kids.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Well, you should have any of our kids, the older ones, the older, the better. Uh, my oldest daughter actually wants to do a podcast. Really? You know, yeah. of this is what mom was doing. This is what yeah. we were doing. Um, because they just really got messed around. I mean, it was bad in the cult, mm-hmm. super strict, purity rings, mm-hmm. you know, all that mm-hmm. that stuff. And then we come to North Coast. And this was really on John and I, not on North Coast. Um, the opposite happened. Mm. I mean, we just felt like as parents, we didn't know what to do. Mm. And and we had these kids that were, they, you know, probably not rebelling any different than any other you know, teenagers. But we just kind of loosened the reins, Mm -hmm. which I think ultimately scared them to death because now they, and they had this, they had a little secret cabal of Hinman kids, you know, where they would talk about things, but they wouldn't let mom and dad know.
2: (laughs) Classic kids. Yeah, Uh so, Uh
1: uh, yeah, actually one of our kids would tell us that she was going to, you know, youth group and she'd be smoking dope behind... Ralph's shopping center with Classic. some of the other kids from yep. church. Classic, yeah, <laughs> Christian kids. Yeah, <clears throat>
0: yeah. Uh, from neckties and lace collars to smoking dope behind the grocery yep. store. Yeah,
1: that, it was really that kind of whiplash. Yeah, for our kids. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, that's. I don't blame them. I yeah. probably would have done the same yeah. in a lot of different ways. In fact, I did do the same in my own in my own mm-hmm. way. Um, but that's a story for another podcast. Yeah. Um. Okay, so I guess. You know, um, a few more questions for you, our friend, uh, Wendy. Um.
2: Ooh, can I ask one? Please. How, I mean, <clears throat> how did you become a Bible teacher through all this? You went from an environment where female Bible teaching, no way. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I've just, I've always known you, you're, oh, you're Wendy Hinman. You're like, yeah. you're the Bible teacher. <laughs> like, tell me how that came to well, be. Well,
1: I think the Lord was really, uh, It was really good. Like, you know, we started Debbie because she was the first person we met and we had all these kids. Then the next Sunday we did put, you know, we weren't in dresses and ties uh, and we did put the kids in children's ministry and stuff. And she, I had seven kids. She needed volunteers. Mm. So we started volunteering in children's ministry and then she needed uh, a fifth, sixth coordinator. So she goes, what do you think? Because she saw, you know, that I could handle kids and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And I really think it was the Lord putting me with children and taking me back to the basics. Mm. And and teaching children is the hardest. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's absolutely the, the hardest. You can teach children. You can teach anybody. Yeah. Um, because to take those abstract thoughts and ideas and, you know, bring them down to something chewable. And so that's what, you know, what happened. But, when you know, it's funny because when... She was trying to hire me. I'm going, we were in a cult like three months ago, you know, <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, if you know Debbie, it's like, what? I don't yeah. care. You know, like, <laughs> do this, you know? And then, so one time she, she told me, she goes, Mark Foreman wants to meet you. And the first thing I said to her was, what did I do wrong? Mm.
3: Uh, what did, we wow. do? Do,
1: did we do something wrong? Mm. Because, and then, and then she, yeah, she's looking at me like, I, you know, what do you mean? And she just dumps me in Mark's office, and he starts asking me about the cult. But he's, like, trying to pastor me, mm. shepherd. He goes, if you want to sit in the back of the church and do nothing, that's fine, you know? And he goes, have you ever read? And I was like, oh, no. And he pulled out Churches at Abuse. Mm. And he goes, the guy who wrote this book, who was an enemy of ours, mm. Ron Enroth, because—and uh, I just go, oh, we're chapter 12. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> wow. And I thought that's what he was trying to do. Like he was going to say, you know, you there's going to be some form of discipline over us or something because right, we're right. from chapter 12. Yeah. But he just wanted to communicate that we believe in adult-to-adult relationship mm. and what that means. And,
0: and that it was okay for you guys to take time and space to heal. Yeah. And Yeah, to, yeah. Yeah. It's Did, awesome. You didn't have to perform. You didn't have to do anything. And that, I mean, it makes so much sense. You're coming from a context where authoritarian control, like fear and fear and control, right? Are you towing the party line? Um, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm.
0: Well, I'm so glad that you guys found a, a church where you had the opportunity to experience a, a, a different side of God, a different side of, of faith, and that it has been like a healthy thing yeah. for, for you. And uh, I mean, I, I definitely know, I'm, su- I'm super grateful that when I landed at North Coast, that there were people like you and John around, uh, gave me great encouragement and hope. You know,
1: yeah, yeah, healthy community. Yeah,
2: mm hmm. I was just a decade behind you, observable
1: boundaries. Yeah, 20%. observable boundaries.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I guess, is there, you know, um, if you could say anything to our, our listeners, you know, uh, in terms of, yeah, like lessons or wisdom to distill from this kind of wide-ranging r- ranging conversation and your experience about, yeah, about navigating, um, religious authority or say that they're in, you know, they recognize throughout this conversation, they're like, hey, actually, I kind of hear some of, you're describing some of, like, my community. Um, Yeah, yeah. You know, like, what would you say to them? How would you encourage or equip them?
1: Well, I would say, how were you saved? How did you come to faith? Because Paul says, Galatians, who has bewitched you? Mm. And he's calling them back to the original faith. Mm. And when I I have to go back to that voice I heard when I was five, when I was getting in my gra- my great aunt's Buick. That's that, well, I really believe was the first time I heard the word the the speaking voice of God. Mm. Then, eight years old, when I asked my mom, "What is this?" Mm. You know, because everybody put the nativity scene on the television in the sixties as all Santa Claus and snowmen, except for this thing. And and she, I believe, she shared the gospel with me, mm. and I remember just that overwhelming feeling of. Of of knowing my sin, but then there's a savior, yeah. that sort of bittersweetness. Yeah. And then Yosemite and then young life and, and hearing I was hearing God, but then I was letting that go. I wasn't I wasn't dialing into that and making choices for myself mm. based on that. It was overlaid with another voice. Mm-hmm. And and then there was like, because one of the things they would do in the cult is if they thought you were going to leave, they would promote you. And so there was a lot <laughs> of there was a lot of pride and mm-hmm. yeah. you know yeah. stuff. So um, surrendering that voice to the group, mm. don't surrender the voice of God to the group. And sometimes you need fellowship to mm-hmm. be able to discern the voice of God. You need counsel, mm-hmm. but but ultimately. The decision is between you and God, mm. particularly when it says wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. Mm. That's between a wife and God, not... That's right. That's It's mm. not a something for a man to tell a woman that's what right. to do. That's right. Any mm. more than a woman should tell a husband, you need to love me. Right. <laughs> Let your wife <laughs> Because it down. says right here. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> well, one of the things I love about that response, Wendy, is it, it highlights two things to me. One, the personal and relational nature of God, right? We, we mentioned yeah. it earlier. Hey, what's something that each of us in our own way and so many countless people uh, encounter in the Christian story is a God who looks and acts and speaks so differently than um, the deities depicted elsewhere and mm-hmm. one that moves towards us It moves towards us with, with tenderness yeah, with, yeah. A, with a desire to relate, to empower, unpo- to empower, to unleash, you know, to, to raise up and to mature rather than to suppress and keep down, to keep subservient. And so you're just, I'm hearing you describe, yeah, a God who is speaking constantly, yeah. gently, yes. you know, and it's not this voice of shame. It's not this anger, you know, yeah. Um, it, there, there may be conviction as you mentioned earlier in your story, but, it's always this persistent and it's this questioning. Hey,
3: yeah, do you, like, yeah.
0: what are you doing here? Is this where you belong? Yeah, yeah. Like, what's yeah. going on? Is that do right? you believe that this is yeah, right? Yeah. And so, on the one hand, you're just an active relational God um, who's constantly pursuing you, constantly speaking to you. Yeah. On the other hand, you're saying. Hey, we are personally responsible. Like you have to take responsibility for your own life, for your own faith and for that, that excruciating Mm -hmm. in some ways, difficulty of, navigating, is this the voice of God?
3: Is this the will of
0: God? Like what is right action in this, in this situation, you know, but it like it's, it's this beautiful terrifying vision of faith that you're painting because it leaves us nowhere to hide. I mean, that's one of the things that I noticed about the, you know, your experience in the cult and, and any experience of tribalism that we see in culture or in the church now is that it's uh, you watch these beautiful individuals Disappear into yes. a, um a mass uh, like a mob, right? Yeah, yeah, where there is no creative thought, there is no like true like individuality there's a there's a gross regurgitation of the party line yeah, and then there's this dehumanization of people who are on the other as you mentioned earlier, oh he was our enemy yeah the yeah. guy who's describing yeah, yeah. abusive you know churches yeah in
1: cults they're always in a, they inflame shame mm. so you're always living out of your shame, yeah and always trying to make up for it. But the opposite of shame is glory. Hmm. And when God speaks, that's glory. When you see more of God, hmm. that is glory. And that's how you... That's I don't one think I've ever heard that before. To, the to opposite discern.
0: of shame is glory. Wow. I'm going to have to think about that one for a minute. That's beautiful. I think
2: that's going to be our little social media. Like, Wendy Hinman, that'll be the... That'll be what plays, the little 15-second clip. Uh, the op- That's the what opposite of... That's like of- so poetic and beautiful, and Indeed. thank you yeah. for
1: sharing that. I, I get it from the Word of God. So. <laughs> <laughs> I can't copyright that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's true, but you can make it your own, and you have, and we're grateful yeah. for that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you know. Um, this It's so interesting, Wendy's, so often, you know, I love I love talking with you because you're always overflowing with with beautiful stories of fascinating people that you've met in books or in real life, your travels around the world. Um, and you're also constantly overflowing with the words of God, but not in, you know, in this really organic way, this way that like that always invites curiosity that encourages um, faith and life or affirms, you know, me and, and others where so often in my experience in churches, i I'll meet people who are constantly spouting, Scripture, and yeah. it feels so brittle. It feels so shallow. It feels so instrumental. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel yeah. like it doesn't lead me to glory. Yeah, right? yeah. It, it, mm. it's it's always I'm, I'm like you are. I don't know you're yeah. you're bastardizing it in some yeah. sad way. So thanks yeah, for not yeah. being that sort of well, person. Because
1: there's a it's very black and white. That was the thing in the cult. Everything was very black and white. And when religion takes the incomprehensibility and the mystery out of God and, you know, makes him... You can do it with a cult. You can do it with Christian nationalism. Mm-hmm. That's what they're doing. They're making everything very black and white
3: mm-hmm.
1: and prescribed. And and people are surrendering mm. um, the ways of Jesus to a political groupthink.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And, it's the, you know, it's the same thing um, where when... You know, it says, I think it's in Proverbs where it says, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. Oh, yeah. And it's, and it's not that he is, um, you know, just being stingy and, like, you know, let them figure it out, but it's like he's, wait till they find out this. Yeah. That's glory. Mm-hmm. You know, when we discover, and he wants us to use our own will and faculties and heart and mind, and then when we discover it,
0: to the del- it's delight glory. Yeah. yeah well said yeah well I guess because upon discovering glory what's our response our response is wonder it's awe it's admiration it's you know um yeah. yeah this this beautiful outpouring of what's deepest inside of us hmm yeah and, and I think as you're mentioning like Christian nationalism the lack, black and whiteness so much of the false false religions promise hey hand me a reason Hand yeah. me, you know, your, your fidelity and I will give you safety. I will like, I will protect yeah. you and I alone will protect you from the complexities of the world, from the threats of those, yeah. uh, those others, uh-huh. mm-hmm. you know. Um, and God doesn't seem to be saying that so often as I know him and as I see him in scripture. Instead, he's saying, like, well, hey, I will give you myself yeah. Um, unto death, I will give you my enlivening spirit. I will strengthen and empower you to to move with purpose and force yes. out into the complexity to what not to mm-hmm. conquer and to subdue it, in, um, but to cultivate it like a garden to to be a person of peace amidst chaos to which is really, that is what glorifying God looks like, right? Yeah. That is yeah. being that person who is can be loving when other people are being hateful, who can be peaceful when other people are anxious, you know. Um, yeah, and to and, and to point towards freedom, freedom yeah. and responsibility. Yes. Yeah. Well, man, we could. I feel like we could keep talking for like another three hours, but this is not Easy. the Joe Rogan podcast.
3: Yeah,
0: <sighs> yeah it's not. <laughs> um, but we do. Okay, Joel, we're. I think. Unless you've got any other questions or unless you want to say anything else, we like towards the end of our conversations, we started doing this thing called hot takes.
2: Yeah. I've got one yeah. more before Great. we go hot takes. Okay. One more. What would you say to someone who might stumble upon this conversation who might say, whoa, I'm checking those boxes. <laughs> like what, what, what's your invitation to people who are either caught up in quote unquote a cult or mm-hmm. even just in a, in a group think tribal mm. scenario yeah, where you're yeah. just going, man, this isn't healthy. And and the thing that I, I always kind of am curious about is like, do I stay and reform this? Do I rebel right. and fight against it? Or do I yeah, quietly yeah. exit? Like, how, Right.
1: Um, and that came up in our thinking all all three of those things. Yeah. Hmm. So I think, um, I guess,
2: yeah, that's my question. What, what would be your... Um, invitation of someone who's maybe trapped in a similar situation.
1: And they recognize that they're trapped?
2: Yeah. Yeah. They're 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 becoming aware of their situation. And they're
1: wondering, yeah, is is this... um, I would say go talk to a pastor at another church. Mm. Because that's one of the things that we really found when we disbanded. Some of the groups stayed together. I would say 85% of the people in the United States left either either left the faith or left for other churches and and grew in health. Um, mm. but fifty probably fifteen percent stayed together, justified George and what happened, and they became darker, mm. more abusive,
3: mm.
1: more entangling. And one of those uh, one of the brothers from one of those churches asked me to write something because he was trying to justify. The whole thing and I and he said, we're being attacked by these people and I said put yourself under in accountability, put yourself under um, accountability of three pastors in the town where you're at
3: hmm.
1: just go find them and get under you know because we've been deceived right mm. and so if we're ever questioning something that looks so black and white, we need to go read. Something we disagree with. Yeah, we mm. need to talk to people we disagree with. Sure, and 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 then it it becomes clear. Yeah, much well, more clear.
0: If you believe, if you know, my experience with truth is that it is the truth is real, it exists. Um, I need to be humble in what I claim to know is truth and its boundaries, but that truth is resilient and will stand up to. Inquiry yeah, into yeah. curiosity, and um, so, like, if I if I'm afraid to challenge a belief of mine, it's probably yeah. that fear is actually that it's probably telling me something is that that maybe that truth isn't yes truth, yes right? you know Definitely. maybe it's a, yeah. maybe it's an idol of my own mm-hmm. you know if I'm a, if I'm unwilling to say well hey let me go hear um, a good argument against it
1: yeah yeah, yeah. and any any you hear a man say I, I'm going to start my own church run, run <laughs> fast, run away.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: Or if any church is starting and they say that they have, you know, the corner on the market <clears throat> of some kind of truth, mm-hmm. every church needs vision. Yes. But if, if it's like, we're better than everybody else, that's why you should come here. Yeah. That's the beginning. Even if they're not already cult status, you yeah. can grow into that. Yeah.
2: i yeah, that's a hundred. That's so right. Uh, in. Yeah. I remember I had a friend who out of spite was planning a church. He's like, Oh, I was so burned by this last church. I'm going to yeah, go, yeah. So. I'm like, dude, don't, you're going to become exactly that same. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you're going to create the same environment yes. that you were yeah, so hurt yeah. by.
2: And uh, yeah, I think that's, that's so wise. It's like, yeah, where there's vision, the, you know, uh, where there's no vision, the people, um, perish, parish. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I just, uh, yeah, it's, it's so, it's so easy. I think it, this is my takeaway here is like, it, when you hear the word cult, it's so distant Mm. and it's so radical, Yeah. but really what, like what you're describing, like just a toxic community, I don't even know if that's the right word, but um, it's really easy to get caught up in the, in that it's really, it's a lot, it's a lot more um, accessible and Mm -hmm. invitational than one might think. And, um, and yeah. And I think a lot of the political spiritual climates today are, Mm -hmm. are leading um, people into those, those realities and it's it's yeah. really dangerous and especially given really the amount tragic. of
0: time we spend in the younger generation um mine included spends online as well it's even oh, easier yeah. when you're div- when it's you're not in
1: yeah flesh yeah. and
0: blood relationship yeah. you know yeah. when you can push back or you can be yeah. curious when it's when it's all yeah. out in the ether yeah
1: well but, the beginning of the internet was really part of the unraveling sure. of our cult and so we thought oh this is never going to happen again yeah
0: Right, And well, now
1: you was... have these echo chambers that oh, make man. it even worse. Oh,
0: yeah. That was the great initial hope of the internet, right? Like, well, hey, democratization of information is uh, we're going to break down these silos and it's going to liberate people. <laughs> yeah. And now it's uh, like so many, all this is why we can't have nice things, people. We just have this, we have this penchant in us and it's, it's in all of us. We're yeah. capable yeah. of doing it, of taking these things that are good, that have great potential yeah. uh, and for creativity and for health and for healing and beginning to twist them yeah. and bend them towards darker ends you know uh and we're infinitely clever at justifying why we need to do that yes um well you have any hot takes oh I got yeah it, I, I got
1: hot takes oh okay so what's what are the hot take rules oh
2: you just have to answer the question it's rapid fire
0: yeah oh, okay. it's hot, it's hot yeah. potato it's we right, just, right. we're the ones asking yeah. the questions yeah. don't try and turn the tables um <laughs> i'll start with this one there's no wrong answers yeah
2: yeah, yeah. okay Kool Aid flavors. Let's say fruit punch or grape. Oh, grape! Absolutely. Okay. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Just on topic of cults. Yeah. <laughs> um, in Carl, what's
0: uh, what's the best restaurant that I haven't heard of in Carlsbad? The
1: best restaurant that Ooh, you haven't heard? great let? question. Yeah, that is a great question because I don't know the ones you've heard of, and you're in the village.
0: But uh, I'm 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 new to Carl. I used to avoid coming here, so mm. I'm
2: Ocean cider. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm, you know. So you know, Lola's. Garcia's, yeah. Norte. I haven't been to Garcia's. Pronto's. Yes, Pronto's.
0: Pronto's. Well, good. Now I just yeah. feel reassured that we've, yeah, got, we've been going to
1: school. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so okay.
2: you're in line at I, Lola's. I had to think.
1: Uh, am I forgetting any advertisers?
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, best thing on the menu at Lola's?
1: Chicken enchiladas. Okay.
0: Ooh, yeah. enchiladas. Okay. All right. Um, best hike within an hour and a half drive of here? Oh,
1: great question. Hmm. Mount Baldy. Oh yeah. Mhm. Okay. You're kind
0: of dangerous in wintry conditions though. People die on Baldy it every is. year. Yeah, I
1: almost fell on the Devil's Backbone bone in snow once. That's another story. That's <laughs> a- We'll have you we'll have you
0: back Wendy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um favorite non-spiritual author. Joan Didion. Joan Didion. Okay. Mm-hmm. Second time she's yep. come up
1: today. Cali- oh. Californian writer. Yeah. So brilliant. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay, what's your oh. fa- wa- favorite recommendation of hers? Then, best book of hers?
1: Um, uh, the Slouching One. Why am I forgetting it? Slouching Towards Bethlehem. It's from. The, it's about the sixties. Okay, but it's from the poem, so I'm forgetting if that's. But yeah.
2: That's
0: enough. Google
1: it. You'll be able to Google find it. it. Yeah, you'll find it. Yeah.
2: yeah. Okay, so this is a Carlsbad Magazine question. Most interesting person in Carlsbad that you've interviewed.
1: That is still in Carlsbad. Sure. Um, or that I've interviewed.
2: Let's uh, uh, answer both the questions.
1: Uh, one. So I'm, I'm waffling between Robert Stromberg, who uh, his, gr- his great-great-grandfather built the Victorian mansion downtown. Okay, yeah. Where San Diego is. Uh-huh. Yeah. But he's won two Academy Awards for special effects. Uh, cool. Pirates of the Caribbean 2 and Avatar. Oh, wow. And then he directed M- Maleficent. That was fascinating because oh, I knew nothing about that world, and yeah. Yeah. I spent the day in Hollywood with him. So so that, and then um, Hugh Martin. I actually did that for Encinitas Magazine. He's a Broadway composer, uh, okay. famous for most famous for have yourself a merry little Christmas no oh. yes dude one um, of the greatest all time his best friends were uh, Gene Kelly and Judy Garland and Gene Kelly's wife hacks um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh, I and we became friends after I interviewed him and uh, great believer and I asked him I asked him I go Hugh I'd been talking to him about four hours and I go Hugh mm-hmm. you haven't talked to me about being gay who told you I was gay And I, you know, so I get to pull out a great Will and Grace line. Hugh, blind and deaf people know you're gay. (laughs) (laughs) But then he he shared his testimony with me. And and then he he said, he goes, when you know your purpose in Christ, Mm. how small is your sexuality? Mm. Ooh. Yeah. Um,
3: Mm.
1: You know. What a line. Wow. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, he was his a fascinating guy, and he didn't get saved until his seventies, I think.
2: Mm. Wendy, could, Wendy can answer that question all day because she's interviewed everybody. I know. She, she, she's like, anytime yeah, yeah. we're like short on story leads, we, we go like, to Wendy.
0: Wendy, Who do you know? Well, there's this person. That,
2: yeah. Um, <laughs> worst, worst, uh, worst thing about Carlsbad.
1: Growth. Yeah. Okay. Be s- second yeah.
2: to, to growth. <laughs> that's that's too easy.
1: Uh. Well, I think the loss of community, the loss of yeah. small town. Um, you know, we used to walk. We lived near Carlsbad High School, and we would walk to the beach and be gone all day, come back when the streetlights are on. Yeah. And um, if we, I mean, we had to mind our P's and Q's because if we did anything wrong, our parents would know by the time we got home. <laughs> yeah. And that, that loss of everyone knows everyone. Yeah. Mm. That's it's hard. It's still kind of there. Like, I was sitting with a friend at Pure Project and um uh, she's like, Do you know everybody? <laughs> no, but you know, when you've been here since yeah. kindergarten. Or before that actually.
0: Okay, I got one. You got one? Uh, for this is for the Bi- Wendy, the Bible teacher. Uh-huh. Um twofold. Two Bible related questions, and this I think will cap it off for me. Um what is the most inconvenient truth that you would like? To dismiss from Scripture.
1: Jeez. Wives submit to your husbands. <laughs> <laughs> um, very inconvenient for me. <laughs> always has been. Yeah.
0: I guess the other one was going to be so maybe maybe I uh, I thought I had a better one, but I think the second one was like if there was a book of the Bible that you wish didn't make it into the canon, Ugh. what would it be? Mm.
1: That is a hard one.
2: I can uh, answer that.
1: Yeah. Leviticus is too easy. Um, yeah, there's, it's more parts than whole books. Mm, okay. Yeah
0: uh oh, of no. ruth man i knew you were gonna say yeah. Ruth. he's he's so you know,
1: anti- he's Ruth?
0: that's a topic for another podcast
2: i have to teach i just that's where i was last ruth. week yeah, yeah. also
0: pray for all of his old testament students who've been taught ruth wrongly i'm kidding yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm
2: kidding. no i teach it well i know you do i, I, just, I just think rahab should ha- should have the book oh i think all the yeah, wonderful yeah. things about ruth are better demonstrated through rahab huh god's faithfulness yeah or the lineage to Christ. And I, there's so many questions about Ruth or about Rahab that I have. I'm like, she's the hero. Yeah, yeah. Ruth's great.
1: I don't know. The story's
2: weird. <laughs>
1: the story's
2: weird. Anyways, I, I was fresh on my brain. Feet? So yeah, I'm yeah. sorry to no, no. have to answer that, but yeah. I just, just this oh. is where I'm
1: at. I didn't think about Ruth. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So anyway, oh, and Rachel just told me, she goes, yeah, but with the Dead Sea Scrolls, like the one little discrepancy uh-huh. is the book of Ruth. I'm like, toss it out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean, dude, Dead Sea Scrolls. Now we're talking about a Qumran community. Like, it all gets weird. Are yeah. they <laughs> Yeah. Ooh, yes. Answer, yes. <laughs> hey, Wendy, thank you so much sure, for joining yeah. us. Uh, thanks for for us. Thanks yep. for writing for us. Thanks for the ways that you've been a, a part of and a champion of uh, you know the nation's project and experiment. And we anticipate your involvement in many ways to come here in the future. So it's been a joy and a privilege, and I'm sure we'll have you back to talk about some interesting stuff in the future.
2: We love you, Wendy. We do. Thank you, guys. I love you. Over and out from Nations Media. Over and out from Nations Media.
1: How long is your podcast? I I assume that a lot of editing.